Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Wow, a lot of work went into this. Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. It's been revamped again. Yeah, it was originally published in 2003. And uh, despite the fact that nearly 20 years have passed, the list still remains widely popular and polarizing. Nearly 63 million readers last year alone, according to Rolling Stone. But hey, as we know, 2020 is much different than 2003 for (laughs) a number of reasons, but musically as well. The music industry has evolved. Uh, The times have changed. Uh, We've had a bunch, a slew, an armada of new musicians come to the fold, many of whom were, you know, children in 2003. The editor of Rolling Stone uh, magazine, Jason Fine, says uh, the goal wasn't to update the list, but blow it up and recreate it from scratch, reflecting both the canon of pop music and the other shifting currents of taste. And so how this worked was Rolling Stone tallied more than 300 ballots from music industry professionals and musicians. And from what I understand, even some uh, music superstars like Beyonce and Taylor Swift uh, were involved in this process. The new list includes 154 new entries and 86 albums. It includes uh, a more diverse uh, genre. There's three times as many rap albums represented on the new list as the original list way back in 2003. So we need it somehow. I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest music guy. I love music. But I'm not hardcore into music. I'm not into the nitty gritty of the music scene. But I know who is. And that's Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, shameless idealist, and he joins us now on the Scott Thompson Show. Eric, how are you? I'm good. I just finished listening to all 500 albums all at the same time. <laughs> and it sounds horrible. Wow. So I wouldn't advise doing that. Yeah. This is a massive project. Yeah, and one that I kind of used to wait for every couple of years when Rolling Stone... Um, put it out in a print edition. There was always, you know, when they were celebrating their 40th anniversary and the 50th anniversary of the magazine, uh, every couple of months they would put the best albums of the 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s and so forth. And it was a great read because you had the greatest music journalists of our time writing about some of your favorite albums. And even though that, you know, people may not need to hear about what made Nirvana great or yet another couple of paragraphs on the Beach Boys. It's really nice to have that perspective now, 50 years later for some albums, on how it relates to today. And I think now is the perfect time for Rolling Stone to do their top 500 album list because number one at What's Going On by Marvin Gaye might not have been number one if this was this time last year. Yeah, it, it obviously has to do with what is happening in our time. So, you know, social justice, uh, uh, you know, systemic racism, reforming what has been the norm for eons. Uh, th- that's, you know, some of the hot topics, and, and rightfully so, of the day. So, yeah, having that album at number one makes sense. But before we get to and I, I do want to kind of intersperse some of the albums in the top ten, especially, because those are obviously the highlights of this list. We're not going to go through all 500, but... What makes a great album? Is it more than just having great songs? Yeah, and I think that that's kind of lost on to, on the new and up-and-coming generation of music lovers, is that while we're all living in a singles world and a video world on YouTube or 
creating, you know, seven second videos on TikTok. The actual experience of listening to an album from beginning to end doesn't really resonate that much with with the younger generation. And I'm not just saying that because I'm old. I'm just saying that because, you know, there hasn't been a, a lot of superstar artists that have done nothing more than create a whole bunch of songs and put them on an album with no ebb and flow, no start. There's no real process or thinking process of, of the actual, um, the actual order of songs. There's not a whole lot of thought process in sometimes the album cover creation. I mean, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys is a perfect album cover. Dark Side of the Moon, What's Going On, Sgt. Pepper. I'm not sure that anybody is on a record label that would even spend more than $1,000 on their album cover right now. Um, so I think it's everything. It's the whole package. What does it say about the time that we're living in right now, but yet takes a look at the past and where they've come from, but also has one step in maybe bringing the music world onto their shoulders. And we can say that a lot about any one of these top 10 albums is that they took what was given to them and influenced them to become an artist in the first place, but also changed music's direction all the while nobody had any clue that most of these albums would be as successful as they are now. Certainly not talking about them 50 or 60 years later. Uh, at number 10, Lauren Hill, uh, the misdirection of Lauren Hill was released in 1998. Uh, she won, I think it was five Grammy awards at the time, uh, was her first and only studio album, uh, a huge hit. Number eight, Bob Dylan's blood on the tracks, which was a masterpiece at number eight. One of my favorite albums of all time, purple rain, uh, from Prince, uh, you know, one of those albums where you can listen to at any point in your lifetime and the music just speaks to you. Yeah, I agree. And especially because everybody thought at Warner Pictures, the company that actually produced Purple Rain and his record label, nobody thought that this was a good idea. I mean, have Prince came off of the 1999 double album, superb record. But giving him a hundred million dollar budget to create a film was insanity. <laughs> and so they lowered the budget. And and on top of that, he he didn't even act anywhere. So for him to be first billing of a major motion picture and create the soundtrack and help write it based on his life story, um, I wouldn't even bet that he would have done it. But, you know, here we are. Um, and I think that surprise element that everything connected making Prince's star into the stratosphere that most artists still look back and say that was pretty astounding what he was able to accomplish. No doubt about it. Eric Alper is our guest here on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Rick in for Scott. We're talking about uh, Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors is in at number seven. At number six, Nirvana on Nevermind. And, you know, whenever you launch a genre or at least uh, are the touchstone of a genre that's that's got to be on the list yeah for sure and then that's not a that's not a note for artists out there to start creating their own musical style and mixing polka and jazz we don't <laughs> want that kind of we don't want that what we want is um you know the sudden impact and the hit you squarely in the face of punk music of the old style of 
early U2 or the Ramones or the Sex Pistols mixed with songs that could have been written by John and Paul of the Beatles or Brian Wilson. And that's exactly what, uh, what Kurt Cobain did, knocking Michael Jackson's Dangerous off of the top of the Billboard charts and changing music. It goes back to what I was saying before. It was like, then suddenly you had Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Tad. And, oh, I'm still wearing... I'm still wearing a plaid shirt when ripped jeans and my doc. So I'm still living back at like 1991 all over again. But that's when you know that you've got a good album. When you, when you kind of go outside of music and start changing things, sounding like it's a revolution more than anything else. Uh, the Beatles' Abbey Road at number five, another uh, uh, amazing album. At number four, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Uh, let's go through the top three. Joni Mitchell's Blue Album. Um, a lot of great songs on this one. Sure, absolutely. And this album came out of, um, you know, it was always deemed a classic album by Rolling Stone magazine, but leaping into the top three position um, is, is not a surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise. Um, one of the other big surprises, which you briefly mentioned, which was Abbey Road at number five, completely knocking Starch and Peppers off of the top 10, which it was number one for the longest time. But of course, Abbey Road has seemingly had more vinyl sales in the last 10 years than any other Beatles album combined. But with Joni Mitchell's Blue, she definitely led the way for the female singer-songwriter that we know and love today. Without Joni Mitchell's Blue, there's no Taylor Swift, there's no Ariana Grande, there's no Carly Rae Jepsen, uh, there's no Lady Gaga. And even if they, they did happen to come along, their music is very different. Just the whole introspectiveness actually created Adele. You know, um, and it's ideal of Joni Mitchell still doing what she wants to do, even if that's smoking a, a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. Nobody tells Joni Mitchell what to do. <laughs> yeah, and her influence is still being heard today, that's for sure. Beach Boys Pet Sounds at number two. I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. They just have a great sound. Yeah. Explain this one to me, because I've, I've long... Look, I, I don't knock the Beach Boys. I certainly don't knock Pet Sounds. Um, I know that in order for this to be released, that's when John and Paul from the Beatles said, well, you know, we're going to go and create our own. And then they created Sgt. Pepper and, and blew everything away. Um, but I, I never got into this record. And I know that there's great songs like Caroline No and God Only Knows is always you know, top of the list or near the top when it comes to the greatest songs of all time. This album emotionally doesn't do it for me. So let me ask you, are you a Beach Boys fan or do you just really love this record? I think I'm more of a Beach Boys fan than loving the record. Uh, I think I would put more of their singles higher than any of their albums because none of the albums in their totality are phenomenal. But there's two or three songs in each album where right. you could point to to say, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an amazing song. Sure. And probably growing up in Hamilton, you were thinking about, hey, I want to go surf in USA, too, <laughs> or yeah. I want to go drive down, you know, Hester Village, like it's Pasadena Drive. And yeah, I mean, there's something definitely to be said about, you know, <laughs> I can't remember what artist told me this, but somebody once said that the Beach Boys created California. I mean, they invented California <laughs> as we think of it with the sun and the surf and the girls and bikinis and the boardwalk and the ice cream and, and, and the drag racing and all of that stems from, you know, the beach boys and Jan and Dean and, and other artists. But yeah, you know, maybe it's time I give this one a real hard listen because 
I mean, I don't have anything else to listen to, so why not? <laughs> there you go. And, and number one, I mean, and, and this is a you know a great placement for Marvin Gaye, who, you know, for me personally, I think sometimes is overlooked as one of the great artists of all time. But, yeah. you know, What's Going On is just a, a great album that really speaks to what's going on today. Yeah, I still listen to this album about once a month, and they actually have a great expanded edition with a live album as part of it from back in 1972-73. That's phenomenal when he was at the top of the game, you know, especially because Marvin Gaye was kind of stumbling around for an idea. His record label, Motown, hated this album hmm. when uh, when they first heard it. In fact, uh, Barry Gordy, the president of Motown, didn't even want to put it out. It was also one of the first albums to actually list in the credits of the album, the musicians who played on the record. And that was a very important step. But I can't even imagine what Twitter would be like if the Beach Boys Pet Sound was number one and Marvin Gaye was number two. So I'm glad to see that this kept at, at at the number one position. Again, seemingly, you know, always in the top 10, but... I don't think there's another album that could be more relevant that's this old in music history right now. Yeah, totally agree. Eric, appreciate the time today. Hey, great. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. You got it. Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, shameless idealist. By the way, What's Going On was number six back on the list in 2003. And uh, last year's number one, the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band dropped to number 24 on the list. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.